It's a thing for me. Maybe more of a fixation or obsession. I want our cafe to be able to turn out perfect homemade croissants every week. But <laughs> then there's reality. I'm Shannon Hayes, and you're listening to Season 2 of The Hearth of Sapbush Hollow. Welcome to the Hearth of Sapbush Hollow, chronicles and lessons from a life tied to family, community, and the land. I'm Shannon Hayes, and I operate Sapbush Hollow Farm with three generations of my family in the northern Catskill Mountains of upstate New York. I'm the chef-owner of Sapbush Cafe, a farm-to-table and neighbor-to-neighbor experience, open Saturdays 9 to 2 in our tiny hamlet of West Fulton, and I'm also the author of a few books, including Radical Homemakers, The Grass-Fed Gourmet, and my newest title, Redefining Rich, which is due out from Ben Bella Books in August. This podcast is the audio version of my blog, which can be found at sapbush.com. In professional settings, writes Claire Saffitz of the New York Times this week, Machines called slab rollers in temperature-controlled rooms laminate the dough quickly and effectively, producing light, flaky, uniform croissants. Home bakers, however, must complete these tasks by hand, making it harder, slower, and much more variable. The article makes me snort. I guess the cafe isn't a professional setting. I've been negotiating the variables of homemade croissant production for the past five years. I still can't get it predictably right. The kitchen was cold yesterday when I made the de Trump, or the flour, which I stored through the winter, was too old. I made one batch of de Trump and it felt like a ball of lead. The yeast was brand new, so it couldn't be that. My inner perfectionist demon swelled in my belly. Most of the time, she's quiet but sometimes she will not be silenced. She screamed at me that the first de Trump was entirely unacceptable, so I threw out five pounds of the dough and 20 pounds of flour. I heated up the kitchen, tore into a fresh sack of flour, and made another. 
We've investigated slab rollers and professional proofers to bring the process under better control. The space is too small, the customers too few. We would have to become a croissant factory to justify that kind of equipment, wholesaling the flaky pastries for a 120-mile radius in every direction. The goal of having a cozy community Saturday morning cafe would be shot. So, every week, I work with variables— I weigh my ingredients, invest in the best butter, and, yes, send 20 pounds of flour to the compost if necessary. There's more, however. Turning out homemade croissants each week requires a certain knowledge in my fingers. I've learned to twist the handle of my butter pounder with a tiny flick of the wrist so that the butter doesn't stick when I sculpt the barrage. I've learned the speed required to work so that the butter stays cool and doesn't start melting into the granite beneath it, to carefully lift it onto wax paper with a bench knife so that not a speck is left behind. When rolling out the dough, there's a sensation I feel in my arms when I'm fighting gluten, a certain way the dough contracts back into itself when it needs to rest to prevent tears. And today, I'm standing in the kitchen teaching these things to Ula. For the past two years, Sersha has been my faithful croissant companion, working with me to turn out the delicate pastry. In time, her croissants looked better than my own, but now she's working on the farm, doing chores, pulling customer orders, bringing our inventory system under better management. And Ula takes the opportunity to come into the kitchen with me. I try to give words to the lesson my body has simply absorbed. She pounds the butter and it splats unevenly across the counter, half of it smeared, half of it still in thick chunks. I scrape it together, move it to the fridge to chill down, cut a fresh chunk and make her do it again, showing her how to keep it even. And then I make her do it again and again and again. The next day we roll them out and the process of instruction repeats. Ula wants to go to a corner of the kitchen, put on her headphones, tune me out, and get the job done. I want to let her, but I can't. She's working the gluten in too many directions. The pastries will be tough. Her dough is tearing. That's going to leak butter, see? We need all that butter to be sealed in the dough. When the heat of the oven hits it, that butter is going to melt and push up the dough layers. If there's a rip in the dough, it's just going to leak out on the pan. She's getting annoyed with me. I'm making a seemingly simple task seem complicated. <laughs> I'm getting annoyed. She's mauling everything she touches. That raging perfectionist demon is pounding inside my chest now, screaming for me to hip-check her out of the way with those wretchedly potent words a parent can use to effectively alienate their children. I need to get this done right! The demon has a good point. The cafe has been closed for winter. When people come back in after the long break, I want them to have the delicious croissants they remember. Bad pastries make us look bad. New customers will think we're a joke. But there's a danger here. I could have perfect croissants, but I could lose Ula in the process. What if this is what she's meant to do? What if the kitchen could give her as much joy and fulfillment as it does me? That is not something that can be known straight away. That can only be discovered with time, lots of errors, and patience. I really want perfect croissants for opening day. But 
there are bigger goals to consider. I want the community to have an enduring business where friends and neighbors can gather. I want our children to love the business so that they will share with us in its stewardship or help shepherd it into the appropriate hands when the time comes. And I just plain old want to be with my kid. So I step back. When she gets it half right, I just let her run with them. There is knowledge I can share, but there's experience that can also be gained after repeatedly working dough. So I let her crank up her K-pop and repeat the process of laminating and rolling out the dough over and over again. And on Saturday morning when we bake them off, they come out like little croissant-shaped bricks. We laugh at them and share one between us. The flavor's great. They're every bit as good as my own first efforts. By May, with a little coaching each week, I'm optimistic Ula's croissants will be better than my own. But on this Saturday, that's all we've got to serve. My perfectionist demon will have to fixate on scrambling the eggs properly and making smooth gravy for the turkey instead of those pastries. And so the croissants go out to the customers, and they eat them, and no one complains. When Ula checks back at the tables, I hear the customers tell her that her croissants are delicious, just as they used to tell me that my first croissants were delicious, just as they used to tell Sersha her first croissants were delicious. It's not just our family that is in it for the long game. The customers are too. They understand that the way to keep a place like this going is to keep showing up, to keep showing support as the generations transition skills, to keep letting the business renew itself year after year. This farm and cafe will never be a true professional setting, as the Times call it. Light, flaky, and uniform (laughs) just don't seem to be apt descriptors for this family or this business. Harder, slower, and more variable is just going to have to do for now. But thankfully, that combination still tastes delicious. Folks, Sapbush Cafe is now open for the season with outdoor dining and takeout every Saturday from 9 to 2. We've expanded our breakfast and brunch offerings, and we're even offering wine, beer, and some great cocktails, including an amazing Bloody Mary. If you wanted to come stay with us this season, please make your reservations as soon as possible for either our Airbnb, you'll find it listed as Farm to Table Retreat on Panther Creek, or our tender site listed as Calico Ridge at Sapbush Hollow Farm. You can find links to both at sapbush.com. You can also go there to learn more about our grass-fed meats, weekly cafe specials, wool yarn, our all-natural wool bedding, and how to save on your grocery bills with our CSA meat shares. You can also find out more about my books and how to schedule me for a speaking event or class, or just post a question you'd like me to answer on air. If you enjoyed this, please take a few minutes to leave a review. This helps other folks find my work, and if you could share this podcast with friends and family, so much the better to help get the ideas to spread. This podcast happens with the support of my patrons on Patreon, and this week I'd like to send a shout-out to my patrons Peter Crownfield and Starla Larry Peters. Thank you, folks. I couldn't do it without you. If you'd like to help support my work, you can do so for as little as $1 a month by hopping over to Patreon and looking up Shannon Hayes. In case you were wondering... 
This podcast was produced and edited by the sexiest man alive, my husband, Bob Hooper, and the great music we're listening to comes to us from Emery. Thanks for listening and have a great week. Now the birds are-